Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, part of it we've already uh, shared. We're going to read the first eight verses there together. Um, source of salvation is our message title today. Isaiah chapter 40, beginning to read there in verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her. That her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The flower withers, the flower fades, and the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Isaiah, I believe, is one of the greatest Old Testament prophets we know of. His name actually meant the Lord is salvation. In other words, the Lord is the source of our salvation. Isaiah knew God and spoke with the Holy Spirit quoted in his heart as God fulfilled then the written prophecy. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed truth to Isaiah in the 8th century B.C. The coming of Christ, which would not be for another 800 years. He was born in Bethlehem. Now when one was reading the book of Isaiah and turns from chapter 39 and goes and starts chapter 40, it's as if you're, you're stepping out of darkness into light. Darkness and judgment into the light of salvation. Isaiah had been pointing out all the human bondage there of the children of Israel in the first 39 chapters. But here now in chapter 40, he's looking at a different type. It's a spiritual bondage that goes deeper than human bondage. Because without Jesus Christ in one's heart, mankind is subject to the past master of sin. And that is the devil himself. So thankful that Jesus Christ is our deliverer, aren't you? Amen. He begins there in verse 1, talking about as a messenger of comfort. Comfort, he says, comfort my people. This comfort comes in a later announcement of a redeemer who is going to come and set his people free, bringing salvation to all who would call upon his name. He speaks of that there in verse 5 about the coming of Christ into the world. He says that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it all together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He predicts what all believers already know by believing and allowing the Lord to come into your life as your Savior following him. 
Yes, Jesus Christ came to this world to die for all sinners, to keep them from going into a lost eternity. But notice he says, comfort, comfort my people. He calls them my people. He's here calling them back from their sin of rejection and idolatry for which they dearly had paid for. It says there in verse 3, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now like other prophets, Isaiah was given to visions and hearing the voice of the Lord. In fact, if we were to turn back to chapter 35, the prophet there is speaking of a highway for the returning of the exiles. But now he's making it very clear here that it represents God's purpose for his people. A highway of holiness on which we can walk. And then later on, John was used by God, John the Baptist, in Jesus' day to be part of preparing the way of the Lord there in the wilderness, where when he went about preaching repentance and baptism. I think if John the Baptist were to walk in today and stand here, you might be a little shocked at his appearance. He was out there in the wilderness preaching repentance, and the people flocked to him. Many were baptized. Oh, yes, the religious leaders of the day came, and they weren't sure about this. And the day came that Jesus himself came, and John baptized him. He was preparing the way for Jesus. Jesus came to live among mankind, to do the Father's will, eventually by dying on Calvary's cross, paying for our sins. It means so much to us to realize that his life was voluntarily given. He wasn't forced on that. Paid the penalty, the sins of the world. He carried my sins that day and yours. I wonder sometimes, do we thank him enough for what he has done for us? And yet, many still refuse to believe, accept the offer of salvation because of foolish pride and other things. I'm glad we serve a God of love and mercy. The Bible clearly tells us he's also a God of justice and of judgment. I would never say that God sends anybody to hell. They go there because they choose not to live with the Lord. It's a choice to either receive his mercy and forgiveness that he's provided or reject and walk in our own way, which is foolishness. I'm so glad the Holy Spirit is in the world today. He's convicting them in the of sin. He calls the sinner to repentance. And then we're left with that all-important decision. Will I accept and my Savior? Let's begin now the heart of the message and look there again at verses 6 through 8. A voice is crying, and they say, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, and the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God 
will last forever. Isaiah, the prophet, is hearing voices. Not just any voice. He hears the voice of God. He wants to respond. Now, for the most part, men who consider themselves self-made men or self-sufficient have a problem responding eagerly to good news from God because they feel it's of their power and strength and wisdom that's made them great. What they've accomplished or achieved by their own hands in life. God in heaven is looking down upon mankind, upon every one of us here. What we accomplish here on earth is just like flowers in the field. Oh, it's beautiful for a moment. And that fades away. The grass goes. I love flowers. <clears throat> and my wife is so good at finding all different kinds of flowers and planting them. And we've been enjoying them so good. Some flowers come out so beautiful and wow, in no time, they're fading and dropping off. So quickly. God alone is the one enduring reality in a constantly changing world. Recently, I went to visit Anna Forres, you know, who was recently widowed. And we cried together, shared together, and she said one thing there's one constant in our world, it's change. I think we all have to agree to that. But as human beings, we don't like change. But it way of life. The Bible tells us that the entire universe will not endure as his word will. Because the heavens and the earth are going to pass away sooner or later. God's glory is forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory is here. A man's glory it's great, but it's suddenly gone and forgotten. You see young people, I see the young guys back there in the back row, and I can see the strength and, and the glory of youth. But before they realize it, they'll be standing where I'm standing. You don't quite have the stamina and the strength to do what you once did. One got down steps sort of takes the wind from you. Things begin to change as we grow older. And it creeps up on us so quickly. It's no wonder there's a billion dollar market for creams and vitamins and aids of all kinds to give you youth, they say. Or those anti-aging products. Well, my question is, how's it working? We're all getting older at the same rate. One day at a time. One doesn't think about that much when you're young. As one ages, they become more aware of the process. These things aren't what they once were. I guess that's saying it kindly. Yes, a, glory, a person's glory fades quickly along with fame and fortune. I don't know if you're familiar with the story from history of queen, the Queen of France, Marie Antoinette. Her career's queen began with many just idolizing her. They said, put your horses away in the stables. We'll pull your chariot. They loved her. They almost worshipped her. But a few years later, 
years later, a terrible transition took place when their hatred outpaced their love and respect that they once had for her. Soon down those very streets that they used to pour her carriage, they drugged the widowed sovereign to her execution and death. The shouting curses only stopped after she was beheaded. You see, a sudden departure of glory and fame. Oh, what depths of evil and sin will take over a man's soul without God dwelling there. In verse 6, the voices cry out. Isaiah responds, what shall I cry? This message came then to the people of Jerusalem. But it doesn't stop with them. It comes to all of us today. The cry is speaking to the frailty of our human existence, of our hearts and minds, to the inner person. The word is referring to our glory and our strength. I remember well when I was prison chaplain in Florida, South Florida, Martin Correctional Institution. There was a section where there was all kinds of weights and, and machinery that the guys could work on. Because you know in prison, yes, you have your little jobs to do, but there's one thing everybody has lots of. And it's time. Time. And so these guys would go in there and they would be pumping air. I dare say, I saw some Mr. Atlases. You know what I mean by that? Some years ago, there was a guy you know, had his vitamins or whatever. He could make that strong and bought his products. But these guys, I mean, biceps like you've never seen in your life. I'll tell you what, I try to be very friendly with those fellows. want to get them on the side of them. They, they had time on their hands, and all they did was lift weights. But you know what? That's been 25 some years ago. I wonder now. Some of those fellows that were in their 50s and 60s and looked like almost like beasts. You know, muscle turns to fat if you don't keep your tongue. I think that's what I heard. And they lose it unless they keep working on That beauty of the human body fades away. Glory of man or woman exists for only a little while, and then it vanishes like the flower of the field. A man is usually referred to by his strength, and a woman by her beauty, but it comes. Only our spiritual lives will continue on into and throughout eternity. Like that saying, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ. Verses 6 through 8, prophet Isaiah describes very eloquently our mortality. And I see something more than just decay of the body mentioned here. In order for God to work in the heart, room must be made for the Lord Jesus Christ that the grace of God may be exalted and lifted up. John 1, verse 23 says, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the water. You see, the Holy Spirit is working through John the Baptist to reveal Jesus Christ to the world at that time. 
And he's still working on all mankind. And they can a sin of rebellion. Strong may be and weak, and humble will be strong and lifted up. We can only receive from the Lord as we humbly come before him and allow him to work in our lives. John's ministry was that of repentance. He cut down, which he did not plant. His ministry was one of conviction of the withering grass of humility. His message was repent. The Lord is coming. God hates self-righteousness. He calls it filthy rags. You know, we're nothing in and of, of ourselves. Only the means of God's blessing, what he's done, and help and gives us. And I pray this morning that we would sense the presence of the Holy Spirit, his wind blowing over our souls as you read there in verse 7. And he must do so in order to convince us of any sin that may be revealed to us. And he repeats again, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. So we see within ourselves that our flesh promotes nothing. Our fallen nature is corruption itself. Romans 8, 8 says, those that are in the flesh cannot please God. There has to be a death to self, a total surrender, a dying out to what we want, to the point of saying we want only what God the Father wants for us. This takes place so that that profitable seed, the word of God may be Planted by the Holy Spirit in us to abide in us forever. Oh, yes, the prideful and the, the self righteous person will struggle against these truths because they don't want to bow before the Almighty. We heard the King read us this morning the song that someday every knee is going to bow. Now I realize that moment that they need a Savior because they can think still, oh, I can make it on my own. And only the sick welcome the physician. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that convince men of sin. Until they're convicted, they'll not seek for righteousness which comes from God. So I'm convinced wherever there is a real work of grace in the heart, it began by the Pulling down in the surrender of the self-life. The Holy Spirit is not built on an old foundation of, of sin, of wood, hay, or stubble. Just never do for a foundation. But rather, he comes as a fire that's going to consume and burn out all that dross, that self-seeking that we have in our life. Whenever any sandy, self-made foundation is gone, then we will begin to lay that true, strong foundation that is from God. One has put it this way. Don't you see that it is divine in his plan to strip us before he clothes us? When we would want to wear the righteousness of God, but we want the inside taken care of first, as old filthy rags done away with. Our filthy rags must be put away till they're not one of our own. And God can 
but it may not cleanse until you until he allows you to see the, the awfulness or the sin that is in your heart. One of my favorite verses is John 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us to some righteousness. Catch that. To all righteousness. That's the promise that we can truly believe and we can hold on to today. So our scripture before us this morning shows us that, that withering process that happens to those who will earnestly seek his will that it would be done in our lives. A person cannot love sin and yet possess the life of God. It's an oxymoron. They don't go together. So let's give up our, our self-confidence and let the honor and the merit be given to God alone. Whenever the Spirit of God breathes on our soul, then we will realize that our dependency is on Him and not on ourselves. So where is your trust this morning? I pray that it's in the merits of God. God alone and not in yourself. Never be satisfied with anything but God's best. Amen? The Holy Spirit has been faithful to be with us on again this morning to speak in our hearts. It's calling those that are like sitting on the fence to jump into God's presence and blessing. Boy, I challenge you to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as He speaks to you. Seek Him while you may be. Worship team.